Okay. Very good. And um, we're, we're back into the second hour today with an absolutely gripping interview. Well, I have no interviewing to do. It's, it's Deborah Tavera is relaying to us what is happening to us. Uh, and it is truly a nightmare beyond words, except in the words that Deborah speaks. And uh, as I say, Deborah, um, people have to be just reminded that this is going on. I don't believe there's 90, 99% of radio stations wouldn't cover a subject like this. Is that fair to say? Well, I, I would definitely say that, and many of the stations are being brought down and videos are being brought down. But I wanted to finish mm-hmm. up Project Sunshine that I, where sure. I left prior to the break so everybody can understand yeah. the enormity of the uh, undisclosed and secret radiation tests done on us all of us, and dead babies, and not so much dead babies. Here's what's included in this article called Stillborn Babies Used in 1950s Radiation Test. Um, The release of a long classified information about the, the baby project following recent reports about the use of mentally retarded teenagers, ethnic minorities, and other disadvantaged groups in radiation tests. They said raises new questions about the ethical standards of the federal government. Well, I want to assure all of you, all of your governments have signed on to and are fully supportive of the population reductions in every country. And they have all agreed to manage, mean kill off, on an annual basis a specific number of people worldwide This has been disclosed to us in countless uh, documents, and certainly we can all refer to the Deagle.com website as well that talks about some of the percentages across the world and the massive depopulation that is occurring. And I'll just just add one quick thing to that. Exactly that has happened this week in an article from Activist Post. The the words uh, DNA, do not resuscitate, is being put on the medical files uh, on the end of the bed, and ch- any children who are in hospital who are uh, disabled, it's do not resuscitate. Right? Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. I also want uh, all of you that are listening to know that this um, practice of uh, snatching babies uh, was also done in Britain. You can type this in your search engine and look at this okay. further. It's called. I can Britain tell you where it is. Alder Hay, Hos- Alder Hay Hospital in, Brit- in Britain was the number one, in Liverpool was the number one. Okay. Well, the title in your search would be Britain Snatched Baby Bodies for Nuclear Labs. And this was um, yeah. back, this was printed uh, in, on June the 3rd of 2001. So I'm going to really plow through because I realize that I have so much more to cover. So I, yeah, I want to ahead. talk about this right now. Um, I was recently um, going through a document that I've had, and uh, it's entitled... Um, the IPCC Expert Panel on Geoengineering. And, of course, the IPCC is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And they met, in Lima, per- they met in Lima, Peru, in June of 2011. And they came up with a- their own definition of what geoengineering is, and they decided together how they would consider the use of geoengineering, and here is their definition in that panel report. Again, that's the IPCC Expert Panel on Geoengineering, Lima, Peru, June 2011. 
their definition, geoengineering consists of actions taken with the intent of controlling the global climate. And that was on page 79. And they talk about the scale. This is climate scale rather than geographical scale. So they're saying this is worldwide scale, not just specific area scales. They talked about reversibility. And would it be easy to return to the pre-action state? And will rapid climate change result from um, discontinuation of the activity? In other words, if they changed the climate too much, would they stop the project? Then they talked about what it would look like for social acceptability. They talked about the risks of, of leakage of CO2, either by unforeseen failures or following discontinuation of the weather weapons they're using on all of us. Then they, they talked about legal issues. They discussed the conflict between existing treaties, the equity of this, the liability of this, and the responsibility. And then, because I'm madly into groundwater and water supplies, I found that it said this, groundwater temperature changes requires large energy inputs. And this has to do with hurricanes. This has to do with um, uh, all of the uh, declining conditions of uh, fungi and um, other things that are occurring in our water supply, which is becoming very toxic. Now, I only read you a few um, excerpts from that document. There are many. It's a large document. But then I also wanted to draw your attention to an article that recently came out entitled, China is massively expanding its weather modification program, saying it will be able to cover half the country in artificial rain and snow by 2025. And they say that they announced this, that uh, they will create artificial rain and snow by five-fold. They go on to tell us that the project will soon cover 2.1 million square miles and be ready for 2025, and that is about 50% of China's entire surface area. And they say China's one of dozens of countries using cloud seeding to try and manufacture good weather. There's no manufacturing of good weather. This is weather dominance and absolute full-spectrum dominance using weather warfare. So make no mistake when you come across these articles, understand that is not true. Now, I wanted to go over what the U.K. and the Welsh government are saying they want to do during the um, uh, ramped-up climate emergencies that all the countries are now approving, so that just as the ramped-up vaccines, they're ramping up climate emergency declarations to enforce the elimination of all fossil fuels. So we're going to be all electric, which, of course, is a Rothschild dream because of the smart grid, and everything will be electric. We're going to see our uh, massive reduction in our supply lines. Uh, certainly, we don't have the ability for long haulers with, um, with electricity yet. It doesn't mean that we won't, but uh, certainly we're looking at diminishing supplies. But they're telling us it, out of uh, Wales and out of the U.K., that you don't want to buy a new sofa. You would rather repurpose everything and not spend the money or the resources on manufacturing. They're saying in Wales they no longer want to buy products from China. 
that they want to make what the people need inside Wales and not have to import goods from China, which is costly and increases uh, all of the... I'll just add to that. And the same country is racing ahead for electric cars. The grid here is up to 99% capacity in the winter. In fact, it could fail yet this winter. And uh, so if if electric, if 15%, I've said this many times, if 15% of the UK cars went electric, never mind 100%, the national grid would collapse every morning. So this is how insane the policy is. Go ahead. Well, it's even worse than that. It's a complete reduction of all available resources for all of us. We are all going to be moved into austerity. Remember I said that uh, the... Uh, International Panel for Climate Change's goal is to bring us back into a period of time where energy usage is equivalent to the year uh, in the mid-1700s. That is their goal, and they state that in the policies. Now, they say in all of these policies as well that they want us to replant trees uh, for CO2 sinks. Well, the trees are all dying. Uh, replanting trees is a waste of money. Of course, that is a necessary waste, causing massive um, theft of monies as they claim that they're buying trees and we're out there digging and planting because we need to understand all our trees are dead and dying. All of our shrubs are dead and dying. We've filmed the consequences of dead and dying landscape here in the fire zones where we have had fires burn more fiercely at faster rates than firefighters ever remember in their careers. And that no one asks the question, well, if this is something different than you've ever fought in 30 years of firefighting, what are you fighting? And no one says a word except for a couple of retired fire captains that we have gone into the fire zones and looked at the devastation and the attacks. In fact, again, go to StopTheCrime.net. I have a 15-minute video. It's called um, Fire uh, and um, Warfare, I believe it's called. And uh, we're filming uh, one of the fires up here in Northern California, and we literally had black helicopters and uh, an airplane flying and following us, and then a black car arrived to where we were filming. And um, and we took pictures of that, that we were being tracked and followed. So, um, Mm -hmm. again, planting trees and shrubs when they're all being intentionally destroyed and killed, because we talk about that, our trees are dead and dying. And all of our forest lands, public parks, along rivers and streams, in watered areas, golf courses, on all private property, our trees are showing massive signs of major health problems or dying in record numbers. And in many areas... Trees have died and left entire watersheds in jeopardy. This is what is happening. Now, I was a good friend with Rosalind Peterson, um, and she discussed this. I go into more detail on other uh, discussions, but um, I wanted to share that with you. This applies to every single one of you that are listening, no matter where you are. Your trees are in decline. And so in high-weather events, or storm events, you've got to keep your trees away from structures because that's being used as a weapon. When you you have thick trees, you've got to reduce the um, the wind. Uh, you've got to reduce that. And so people are now trimming out some of the um, limbs to decrease 
um, the amount of wind so that the trees don't blow over as easy as easily. And it's important to have an arborist discuss that with you. But very important to consider where your trees are positioned because unbelievable techniques are now being used. I'm going to go over a, a few other things uh, that I think are very important, and then I'm going to go over some information that I was sent, and I'm really going to be talking fast, so I hope many of you uh, can follow me. I'm trying well, to follow myself. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so um, I want to talk about um, uh, the basic income, the universal basic income. It's here, and it's being developed in every city and in nearly every city uh, worldwide. And what they're saying to us about basic income is it's not a panacea, merely a necessary pillar of the reimagining of work and economic security in our crisis-ridden world. That is control. the tagline. It's about total control. It's about total control, yeah. Yes, and they talk about this. I'll go over it briefly. It's diabolical. And I pulled up an article, and all of you can too, and you can look at this because this is here. And your uh, presumed elected officials, your mayors, and your city councils, and your county boards of supervisors, they're pushing all these evil plans up on all of you. They have been seated in positions where they're just signing all of these evil plans. Now, you hear me say this, and that's got to sound pretty harsh. Well, here's how you find out who in your city and county is signing on these plans for you. Simply go to your search engine, type in the name of your city. I would, for example, be typing in Sonoma County, California, Climate Action Plan, PDF. And I would find that Climate Action Plan PDF. They're usually well over 100 pages, but in the first few pages... You're going to see who your elected officials were, and they've signed these plans. You're going to see their names and their signatures. They shop in your stores. They walk among you, and they have brought in death policies upon all of us. We can't let people get away with this outrageous death cult that we're facing. So the case for the basic income, it discusses the uh, pandemic may prove the undoing of the post-war income distribution system in, in other countries that ties income to benefits and to the employment system. As paying, but because now they have to pay people to stay home. They say, indeed, to not uh, do paid work has become an essential survival requirement. So what they're saying is we can't work. We have to stay home. And because we have to stay home and get depressed and self-isolate and not gather, we have to be paid. And it's going to be a meager amount of money. They're telling us that it won't be taxed from tax money and that they'll only tax the wealthy. Now, who are they going to determine is wealthy? Anybody that has anything because you are to own nothing. So think about that. As long, they say, as long as our income depends on jobs, workers will feel the need to return to unsafe conditions. And as long as the economic power remains concentrated at the top, companies will have every incentive to make workers come back to their jobs. Even if we manage to weather the current pandemic, 
our system lacks the resilience to be ready for the next pandemic, let alone all the other crises that we face. Again, universal basic income is here. Which is, just briefly, the financial crisis that will come, and they'll pull that pen soon, uh, is that the bail-in legislation, most people know about bail-out in 2008, but bail-in is already the law of the land in America, the EU, United States and Britain. The government can take any amount they like out of your accounts. They took 35% well, absolutely. in Cyprus in 2008. So, so as we dive of, okay. in a little bit further with the basic income... They say for the foreseeable future, basic income would have to be set at a national level. And for pragmatic pragmatic, um, political reasons, recent or undocumented migrants would likely not be covered and would not receive basic income. Those are our workforces. Those are our slaves that harvest our food. They won't be covered as they are not now. This is not to suggest that those groups should receive no financial assistance, but that such assistance should be provided by other schemes, and they use the word schemes. They talk about how they've already started this pilot program in Ontario, Canada, and induced a substantial increase in voluntary work. In Finland, they've already started Finland's basic income experiment. These are not experiments, and they're using the words pilot programs. Don't fall for that when they were deploying the smart meters years back in Northern California, and we talked to AKA Rothschild, um, our utility company, PG&E, they said, oh, it's just a pilot program. And I asked them, well, how many people do you plan to install these meters on? And they said the entire uh, customer base. That is not a pilot program. So don't get caught up in their word speak. Very important not to get caught up in that word speak. So now I'm hunting for this. I'm going to go over this very quickly. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you something else rather diabolical. But um, we need to understand that we're also being, um, our eyes are being impaired. Not, with all, not only all the lights and the poisonous foods and all of the radiation in the atmosphere, um, but also because there's a plan behind reducing our vision. And they're literally changing our eyes. And um, I want to, of course, um, all of you know about 5G and the streetlights and how they can be directionalized and used to target us and cause a variety of injuries, including to our eyes. I know many people are wearing the blue tech lenses to protect their eyes, and you can get those in your glasses, in your sunglasses. Yeah, that's our you can colleague, also, uh, Mark Steele. Mark Steele wears those glasses all the time. Makes him yeah, look well, like a gangster, but, um, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I wear those glasses as well because there are many cars now that have the LED headlights at night, and all the box stores yeah. are trying to increase blindness as well yeah, by putting in all the LED so, lights. Yeah. Sorry, and the uh, department Angel, give us that give, give give us the name of those glasses again. Sorry, I interrupted you. What was the name? Yeah, they're of the blue again? light blue light glasses. You can type it in your search bar. You can even order them on Amazon, and you can buy those glasses that will fit over existing uh, glasses if you're wearing prescription glasses, or you can have your um, ophthalmologist uh, put in uh, the lenses in your glasses next time you go. They're not cheap, but they are far less expensive on Amazon. So now let me go over. Well, it's, 
No, but sorry, sorry to interrupt you. We will go there. Um, explain why they're changing our eye capacity. I know I'm going to. That's what I'm. Eyesight. Yeah, that's okay. why I, what okay, I'm trying to get to right now. Okay. okay. Um, our okay. eyes are considered medical real estate. Now I want you to sit on that medical real estate because there's a company called Omega Ophthalmics. It's an eye implant platform with the power of continuous augmented reality. And what they're saying, Google and other, and of course we know, Google and other tech companies have come up with glasses and contact lenses for the purposes of AR, but this Omega Ophthalmics uh, is taking a much more invasive approach by using surgically implanted lenses to create a space for augmented reality inside our eyes. The lenses implanted aren't a new thing, we're being told, but implanted lenses lenses are commonly used to solve cataracts and other degenerative diseases, mostly affecting senior citizens. They say there are about 3.6 million patients in the U.S. alone that get some sort of procedure for eye disease every year, 3.6 every year. That is because we're intentionally being made to be blind. And I have some videos up again on StopTheCrime.net where I actually went to a blind institute and interviewed uh, some blind people. You've got to go there and listen to this interview. Spend some time listening to my interviews that are not yet quite up back up on YouTube, but they're there on my website. So I want to continue with this. Cataract surgery involves the removal of cloudy lenses and replacing the lenses with a thin artificial type of lens. Board-certified ophthalmologists saw an opportunity here to offer just a lens, not just a lens, but a platform in which other manufacturers could add different interactive sensors, drug delivery sensors and devices, and the inclusion of AR and VR integration. They said, we're creating a glove. And, uh, it, and they're comparing it to what Elon Musk wants to do uh, with the neuro-lace interfacing of our brains. But instead, the eye is where they're creating this biological insert space that is going to uh, stay open for business for whatever wants to develop an implant that will sort of fit in it like a glove. They don't expect young people with good vision to be coming in for these implants. But I will assure you, young people are watching these LED screens now all the time at home, and they're uh, wireless to boot. They will be coming in for implants at younger ages. But instead, they think this platform has a much broader application for those uh, people over 70 wanting to maintain independence. They're telling us that an augmented map, this is how they're going to sell it, an augmented map to help a person get around or to alert them if something is wrong medically would be useful. Now, how are these implants in the sleeves going to alert you? What does that mean? What are they going to do? But they mentioned the usefulness of this type of eye technology in super soldiers. And those are beefed up humans if you don't know what super soldiers are. And there's a very excellent excellent video up uh called Madness in the Fast Lane, and it was what is occurred. It, so is, 
The super soldiers, are they what they call cyborgs, or am I confusing things? Yes, yes. We're basically all um, cyborgs now because of all of our technology that we have and handle and, and walk around with. But let me finish up with this. They say they know mm-hmm. there's a huge market for um, these inserts in this um, medical uh, real estate that they have discovered. And it's uh, essentially a real estate play that tech companies don't realize yet, but they will. And this company has already taken initial capital from angel investors and ophthalmologists, and they do understand the, the space. And the, I will say, say to you this, the Department of Energy is creating early-onset blindness due to LED lights for climate controlling, they're saying, and also from chemtrailing and uh, water and medications and vaccines that damage our eyes. Uh, oxygen uh, depletion, COVID face masks are causing degeneration in our eyes because of the reduced oxygen, uh, again, covering our mouths and our noses. And um, we, you can go to my website and watch the Blind Guy video. You'll be quite amazed at that interview there. So I'm hunting feverishly, um, trying to keep the time in mind, and I'm going to go over this right now. I think you're going to be stunned. I was stunned. This is hot off the press. Okay. They tell us that our poop, we're talking about your bowel movements, could be our new secret weapon against mutant COVID strains. So what in the world are they up to now? Well, I'm going to tell you. Because you're going to bend over. The individual poop tests may be on its way. And they're doing this in some countries right now. But that's not the gist of this story. Your poop could solve the coronavirus. It's called genomic surveillance. And guess who's behind it? Chan Zuckerberg, Biohub. Zuckerberg, Biohub, creating a new business of testing your poop. Yes, Zuckerberg is... Yeah, I heard heard there was a COVID test being lined up for that as well, yeah. Well, this is now a new business, and I'm going to describe it so that you all understand. And for those of you that are on any uh, amount of land where you can compost uh, your poop and uh, turn it into compost and use it on ornamental um, uh, shrubs and so forth, that would be a great workaround to what you're going to hear now. Because um, Zuckerberg is now in the poop surveillance business. He's going into it. And uh, he has an epidemiologist and senior biosecurity fellow at his nonprofit, again, Chan, his wife, and Zuckerberg Biohub. And here's what they have to say. Now, I have this posted on StopTheCrime.net on my menu page. You're going to see that there, Poop, a Secret Weapon. And I want you to go there and and watch the sewer poop video because, of course, um, you can't see it right now. But uh, here's what we have in store. Here's what they have in store for us. Uh, Because they are certainly telling us that this could be a secret weapon against mutant COVID strains. They say there's a lot of utility in being able to understand, uh, um, kind of as a sentinel surveillance system, what's going on within our communities without having to go out and stick a swab up thousands of people's noses. Uh, said the epidemiologist and senior biosecurity fellow at the nonprofit, they make it sound good, nonprofit, Chan Zuckerberg Biohub. He's going to make millions, and you're going to hear how. Uh, they're going to test the community sewer systems 
to combat new variants. And what they're going to do, what the video uh, shows, is they'll show neighborhoods. Maybe there's uh, 60,000 homes, say, in a given neighborhood. And if they pick up some kind of COVID or some kind of variant that they'll make up and that will be in the sewer, they can literally lock down those neighborhoods. It says in these neighborhoods, wastewater uh, testing has already proven it can spot problems early. So they're already doing this in many areas. And they say it's not just a measure of how much there is right now. It's also a measure of what's coming, said the public health expert at BioBot, another name, BioBot. As soon as people are infected, they start shedding the virus before they start showing symptoms. Some people take five days to develop symptoms, but during those five days, we can already see it in the sewerage because it's in your poop. To combat the new variances, variants, the same technology would need to be ramped up and paired with a process known as geronomic surveillance, which means analyzing samples to determine the various strains. And they go on to say that they will be checking our neighborhood feces for coronavirus uh, in everyone's poop. And they go on to say that in the communities, the wastewater treatment testing has already proved it can spot uh, this earlier. But here's where the moneymaker is. Uh, the moneymaker is the cost of a national program could easily run into the hundreds of millions to billions of dollars, even though advocates say it's worth it. So, of course, Zuckerberg, who controls the government in many ways, is going to say it's worth it. And here's what they're saying and how they'll get the money. The U.S. should allocate roughly 10% of its overall coronavirus testing budget to a new national wastewater program. In, my, in their opinion, at Zuckerberg, there's an unbelievable upside to making this investment. Yes, because they'll steal money, and then they'll herd us into communities, test our poop, and they'll start demolishing houses that show... Uh, deadly poisons and toxins in your pipes, in your plumbing. This is what will happen. And they're talking about the need to upgrade the systems because many of the uh, testing of, of the sewers would have to be in manhole covers that could be in the middle of some of your streets. And they don't want to be in the middle of the streets, uh, you know, doing these poop tests. But they say that the variants from South Africa, from the U.K., and from Brazil... Um, that they're watching, but the ones that scare them the most, listen to this, are the ones we don't know about yet. Yet the real danger may be the variants yeah. that haven't yet been identified because we aren't looking hard enough. So I say bend over, everybody. If we don't see this coming, uh, it's here. They're already doing it. And they're going to be doing this. It's, it's like telling children a story about the boogeyman, you know, ranked up to, uh, to consider us all imbeciles, yeah? Go ahead, yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to, there's so many things I could cover, and I'm going to go over mm -hmm. a few things. Uh, I'm looking at the clock. Okay, here we go. Okay, I want to talk mm -hmm. about the Global Power and Energy Elites Plan for 2021. And all of you need to know this because your power is going to be uh, in many cases shut off and discontinued uh, in favor of all renewable usage. That's the climate action plans are requiring renewables only to replace all uh, legacy systems. 
So we know that renewables are not reliable because the weather is controlled. Now, there are a few minor uh, exceptions to what I just said and some minor workarounds right now. The problem, though, we face with solar is the need for battery backup. And battery backup, they're using the lithium-ion batteries that uh, degrade rapidly and they explode, and you can't put those fires out with water. They should be outlawed in any area where there could be a fire, and that would mean everywhere Earth, Inc., these batteries should be eliminated. They're being used as a weapons system. Even your smart meters have these small um, lithium-ion batteries. How do you think the variety of fires are initiated around the world and separate homes burning down? In fact, there are lots of reports with houses burning down. Right after they have the smart meter um, put on their homes, there's pages and pages and pages. But here's the Global Power and Energy Elites plan and other projects, and you need to understand what this entails because this is mind-blowing. Um, and this is the full takeover of everything. I mean, well, everything is the full takeover of everything. But um, they, they say in the late 1940s and early 1950s that this company built two large uh, hydro dams in the Colorado River, and these plants now generate up to 2,200 megawatts of peak load power, which provide energy resources to the county customers. And also, they wholesale the power to customers throughout the Northwest with residential, agricultural, and light commercial customers. But this company also serves many data centers from large multinational companies using the cheaper power resources in the county. So what they're doing is they're exploiting certain areas and they're sending it to other locations. And uh, that's going to become far more um, a way in which to extort uh, certainly our resources. But they talk about how the clean power reducing utility is on a five-year technology transformation journey that will overhaul every core system in the organization. So now I want you to be thinking this applies to the energy and utility system worldwide as a whole. It's a, a, a technology transformation that will overhaul every core system in all utility operations, including I, I utilities. I'll just have one thing there, yeah. The uh, Apple were cruising the world, and they were just about to agree to open a massive um, a server center in the west of Ireland where the water is pristine because they needed the water to, to, to cool the um, center. But now that has been, luckily, turned down, as far as I know it has been. But they're looking for a mega center around the world to run their servers. But they won't now, let me add something. Yeah, let yeah. me add something here. When we're given the illusion that we've had a victory like what you just suggested, that um, that mm -hmm. proposal of uh, extorting the water was turned down, yeah. that's only to give people the idea that they have, uh, they can weigh in. They can't. This is going to be a backdoor deal when people are no longer thinking they have to fight against them. this, because fighting yep. against it is meaningless. We have no power, and I don't mean power as in electricity. We have no uh, way in which to um, change the course of these controllers. We really do not, and I'm sorry to say that. But let me continue, because they say that uh, what they're transforming 
is also including the utility's customer information and meter data management systems. Now, we all have smart meters, and they're changing all those systems. And as I said, they're replacing legacy platforms with modern solutions that will streamline operations and remove friction in the flow of information needed for decision makers. Many of the utility systems were outdated, and in some cases, many were manual. And our field crews, they say, still relied on older fax machines to give work um, tickets to the workers. And they also talk about the retiring age of the workers in a lot of the utility, um, in all, uh, many of the utilities now. And so this is a good reason also for this trans- transition. But they talk about um, how they will utilize uh, customer data, and they can remotely uh, turn off and on anything in real time, all the time, 24-7, 365. And uh, they say that they're having offshore development and testing support and uh, as a key partner for parallel, parallel billing validations and testing to ensure that all the systems are working properly. Well, you saw what the utility bills were for some of these users in Texas, right? So this say that they say in this document that this transformation is both challenging and fun. It's fun. And they talk <laughs> yeah. about how they're working with Oracle. Oh, yeah, we all trust Oracle. Might as well, um, you know, uh, meet up with Bill, Bill Gates, right? I mean, they're, they're talking about all of this being utilized in the customer information system. And uh, they are talking about how uh, places are rapidly deploying their smart meter rollout. Now, most of you probably already have smart meters. If you do, this is the next phase of what your utility company is going to do. And they're saying that, the again, the traditional silos of technology have broken down, and this is a very steep learning curve, and they're going to be able to information share. Now, that's called consolidation. That is called the one control operation of the entire worldwide utility grid. When you hear the word information sharing and adoption of best practices as new technology is adopted, you've got to break that down. You've got to understand what they're doing. We have had our fire departments here consolidated, I can tell you. And we're now, they're now rolling out the beginning of electric fire trucks, electric fire trucks. So um, I want to go into um, can I Can I just ask I, you one question about the fire? You're, you're connected with a lot of people in the fire service in California because of these fires, but what percentage of the firefighters know that these are scalar space weapons that are starting the fires? Um, well, I can't say for sure, but I don't think I don't think very many. Uh, certainly, yeah. uh, if if that were a discussion, they could potentially lose their jobs. Now, d- that does yeah. not mean that I haven't gone to fire meetings and stood there for three minutes telling them that this is the use of directed energy weapons being used on us. I have. Those videos are up on my video channel, and my husband has filmed these. But they look at me mm-hmm. in uh, a mind-controlled state of, of overload. And I've done this with all the county operations. I, I go in front and I say this to them, because I then put these up as three-minute videos 
for people to see that I told them, just like the video I have up, the plan to burn up Northern California, plan to burn up Northern California. I presented that a few years before they started burning up Northern California because I had the flipping plans that discussed what they were going to do, and they did. So now let's very quickly talk about biological effects of electromagnetic radiation. And this is out of the Eurasian communist countries. This is about radio waves and microwaves. And this is uh, dated March of 1976. And I'm just going to go through this very quickly because I have other things to discuss. They say this is a Department of Defense intelligence document prepared by the U.S. Army Medical Intelligence and Information Agency and approved by the um, Declariate for Scientific and Technical Intelligence of the Defense uh, Intelligence Agency. Now, again, the subject is Eurasian Communist Countries Bioeffects of Electromagnetic Radiation. So I'm just going to, and you can look it up. I gave you the name, and I'm going to go over a couple of things that I noted in here. This is on page 22. It says it has been reported that some European communist countries have established two standards, one for military and one for the civilian sector. Although the civilian standards are lower, some researchers feel they are not low enough. Reports also indicate that a number of female workers in industry may have aborted as a result of exposure to microwave radiation ostensibly within the safety standards. That's just one little comment. This is just chuck full of things like that. But here's another. Soviet scientists are fully aware of the biological effects of low-level microwave radiation, which might uh, have offensive weapons applications a system of disorientating and disrupting the behavior patterns of military or diplomatic personnel. I'm going to pause. That's what was done to the U.S. diplomats at the U.S. Embassy in Cuba. They used these various types of weapons. Yeah. So I'm going to continue. The Soviets have also studied the psychological and metabolic changes and the alterations of brain function resulting from exposure to mixed frequencies of electromagnetic radiation. Uh, one uh, psychological effect which has been demonstrated is our heart seizures. I hope you all heard that. Our heart attacks are likely being done remotely from a distance. They go on to say that um, a frequency was found which could provide sufficient penetration of the chest wall of humans. Alteration of the permeability of the blood-brain barrier. And this could allow neurotoxins in the blood to cross into the blood-brain barrier. As a result, an individual could develop severe neuropathological symptoms and either die or become seriously impaired neurologically. Now, I want to just say a few things about the autistic society that has been created um, environmentally. And um, I say this with all reverence towards families that are having to take care of uh, autistic children. Uh, I am uh, a grandmother to an autistic child, uh, high-functioning but still autistic. And they are missing the gene for reciprocal love and um, appreciation 
And I watched a friend of mine who had three autistic children with her autistic husband. And two of her children died in their early 20s. And there were funerals. Mm -hmm. And the autistic husband was void of reaction, all reaction, in going to the funerals of his dead children. Now, uh, this is... Yeah, this is a fact. This is happening. We're being transmutated as it is right now. And um, uh, I've gone over a number of prior attacks in our country, uh, going back to the 1930s and even the 1940s, and even looking at Hurricane Andrew, certainly Hurricane Katrina, and, and other weaponized events. I will be reporting in more detail on the ongoing assaults on all of us, because this is a full-spectrum, total attack. So right now, I'd like to tell you this, because I found this in a French uh, document on climate change, or I should say sustainable development, and it reads as follows. Artificial land cover. Now, I'm inserting this. Everything that humans create, and you're going to see why I inserted that. So artificial land cover. Artificial land cover consists of built-up areas as well as surfaced and stabilized areas such as roads, railroads, parking lots, footpaths. It even includes mines, quarries, uh, rubbish uh, collection sites, construction sites, industrial wasteland, and artificial green spaces, which would be parks, etc. That's all artificial um, land cover. And they're saying that in 2014... Uh, in the area that this was referencing, the artificial land cover was 10% of the total land cover. And they're saying this, quote, artificial land cover causes a loss of land resources for agriculture and for natural areas. By sealing some ground, it can accelerate stormwater runoff and the vulnerability to flooding. It also has an impact on biodiversity. So I am telling you right now, This is an excuse for flooding us out, and we are being flooded out. Make absolutely no mistake, we're being being destroyed and killed. Just hold it there for a second, yeah. That's exactly what's happening in Britain, but define artificial land cover. Are you talking about a chemical or something? Yes, artificial land cover is anything that people put on top of the land. That's called artificial land cover. So people we're not put houses. About structures or build, we're not talking about structures or buildings, but say artificial fertilizers, which have inhibitors in them, by the way, because uh, like in Ireland, Northern Ireland, the IRA were using. Well, here, of course, they're not. Fertilizer. Re- yeah, here they're not referring to the toxins that are used, uh, which, by the way, uh, for um, I discovered that many of the farmers are required to use certain chemicals and fertilizers if they're going to get subsidies from the government for uh, crop loss. And those um, required fertilizers are poisonous and toxic. So I I want to um, uh, go over, um, I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking we're almost there. Uh, Certainly I want to urge everybody to go to StopTheCrime.net. Please sign on. Uh, there, are, there are a couple more things I'm going to bring up right now, and that's the new city called Neom, N-E-O-M. And it's powered by oh. AI and invisible infrastructure, 
and it has human-machine fusion. And this is in um, uh, the um, United... Uh, let's see, I'm going to tell you exactly where it is and what it means. NEO means new future. The acronym NEOM was first used publicly with the meaning new future. When the Saudi crown prince, Mahab bin Salam, announced the launch of a project involving the construction of a futuristic $500 billion city that is being built to run entirely on alternative energy. And who is investing the, uh, the, in NEOM? The uh, United Arab uh, Emirates. Uh, um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's a city. Yeah, yeah. NEOM, NEOM, NEOM is backed by more than $500 billion over the coming years by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and, uh, and their investment fund. But they also have tremendous investment outside of the country. And uh, what is NEOM in Saudi Arabia? NEOM uh, is the Greek word, and it means new, as I said, the new future. What does it mean in Hebrew? Well, neom in Hebrew uh, means monster, means evil, a wicked place, a, a person without humanity. That's what it means in Hebrew. So they say that neom will bring future to life. Neom is an accelerator of human progress and a vision of what new, our new futures will be in a region in northwest Saudi Arabia on the Red Sea being built from the ground up as a living laboratory. Yes, a living laboratory. A place where entrepreneurs will chart the course of a new future. No, this is imprisonment because they're touting five-minute lifestyles in no more than 20 minutes. They talk about their infrastructure will utilize AI, robotics, human-machine fusion to deliver greater predictive intelligence and enable faster okay. decision making across all just sectors. Explain, just, yeah, just explain five minute lifestyle. What does that refer to? Yeah, you walk only. There will be no cars in this city, and it will be live work. And this is in all of the sustainable development plans as well. So, for any of you that are living in the country uh, or outside of your city growth boundary, you are considered unsustainable and you are considered damaging the earth, and you will be flooded out, burned out, tornadoed out, frozen out, and every other way discouraged from the ability to continue to live in the country. And that is the goal, to move us all off the land. And um, so this is a new city because we're being uh, re-envisioned as humans. It's not just a... A, um, a rigged system and a great reset, it's a transformation of what it means to be a human. There, we've already been fused with, um, with all kinds of toxins. I mean, all of us have Morgellons in our bodies. All of us. That is the foundational basis for launching all the nanobots in our bodies with all the vaccines that have these nanobots. We're being artificially recreated without knowing and most people are not invited into that opportunity if you consider it an opportunity. I know many people that are excited about that. And I will tell you, it's particularly excitement out of Silicon Valley. And um, uh, I will just say that in Neom, they call it a line, and it's buried under the city. 
and it's supported by a physical and digital infrastructure, and it layers seamlessly integrated beneath the surface and containing essential utilities and transportation services. The infrastructure spine will include ultra-high-speed mass transit access to communities along the line. All the communities will be self-sufficient and will provide sustainable food and all production. In other words, they will be completely self-sufficient and unreliant on anything, and this is in the desert. And they talk about how this will be groundbreaking technologies to accelerate progress. And this is, of course, uh, the changing of humans. They say there will be no cars. Communities will be built for people with five-minute walks to live, work, and play. They always add play. There's no playing in these lifestyles, not at all. Um, they talk about, yeah, they talk the about... work camp, smart cities. And... Yes, exactly. So they're selling it to those people, particularly, I have to say, uh, the new society um, that is largely uh, the types that are in Silicon Valley. And I'm going to add this. This is not; these are not my words or or my observation because I have not been to Silicon Valley. But um, there's a very well-known uh, woman who's an older autistic woman. I'm trying to think of her name right now, but she came up with ways to create a cattle feed so that the cattle would not secrete the hormone when they knew they were on their way to be slaughtered. A Temple Grandin, that's her name. And she said she went and gave a talk in Silicon Valley, and there was no other place that she had ever been before where she saw and talked to, to, to so many that are on the aut autistic spectrum. Granted, very high-functioning, functioning smart people, but because they are void of basically, basically human morality, they're, they're mm -hmm. assisting with the creation of all of this. And I will say this. I discovered that the Department of Defense is monitoring the high-functioning autistic population because they, are, they were manufactured and they're being used because they are void of much of the emotion that uh, has not been... Uh, removed from many of us. So they go on to say that this tech and neom will be continuous and it will learn and improve upon itself and make life easier for all that live there and it will learn. It will learn. And um, they talk about water as being desalinization and reuse. That's talking about sewer to tap. Reuse is sewer to tap. And uh, they will extract and reuse with zero liquid waste. Well, zero liquid waste, that was approved by executive order here in the United States by the, pe the past yeah. CEO. We have absolute proof of that again, by the way. Uh, one of the great things that uh, Mike Adams did with his laboratories, he tested the water in 90 cities in America, and he said people were basically drinking a semi-treated sewage. Absolutely. Okay. And we know that uh, sewage has been being dumped in uphill streams and rivers so that it can become a blend in our um, reservoirs and then served up to us. We know that sewage is being dumped 12 times a year into the San Francisco Bay, 12 times a year. And I, I could go on about 
the water disruption that we're all going to face. That's why many of you that are listening, if you are on real estate or you can, or if you have a well, I would highly recommend that you go and take a look at uh, primarywater.org. Uh, you need to know what you need to know, which you may not know. And I'm going to add this because you heard me earlier talk about uh, lithium-ion batteries or weapons. The batteries mm-hmm. to use that will not explode and degrade are called silicone gel batteries. And you can get them in the United States um, out of Washington, D.C. I mean, not Washington, D.C., out of the state of Washington, also out of um, uh, Alaska. And I have uh, friends in Canada that also have them available. So you want to investigate silicon... So just, give, silicon, just, give that name, just give that name again. Silicon gel batteries, is it? Yes. Name again. Silicon gel batteries. You can type that in your search okay. bar. You do not, I say mm-hmm. you do not want to use the lithium ion. Another thing of importance, if you are considering um, uh, solar uh, panels, you've got to put more than the engineers and the contractors will tell you you need for the production and function of your houses because in their training, they're not taught about solar dimming. And solar dimming is increasing. So you want to have a higher percentage of solar panels than you're being told. We are being lied to on every level. And, and our workforce is being trained with disinformation. We, if, sure. if we understand these things, then we can make decisions knowing how to improve upon our situation. So let's wrap up the show with a couple of moments of some fast things. Again, have a power outage party. Turn your power off. Make sure you have plenty of water. You're not going to have water in a power shutdown uh, and food. Make sure you have heating. Now, there is uh, propane indoor heaters now available. I never knew those existed. Mm-hmm. And during our power outages here in Northern California, they, I believe they're called My Buddy. They're 50 bucks or $60. And they're small, and you can move them around into into smaller rooms. You can set a um, a uh, camping tent up in a room too, and all go in there to sleep to uh, keep the heat. So again, this is Deborah Tavares with StopTheCrime.net, okay. and I'm posting continuously. Okay. I'm just going to put a, a proposal here. If we play this two hours in in the program in the future, you can do the third hour to continue on. Is that okay? Um, well, yeah. Sometime um, in the future, yeah. If you think you have a lot more stuff to give to this tonight, well, I have, okay. I have, I have a lot of information. We'll of talk course, to you about I that. One. Okay. Well, thank you, Deborah. That's that's a marathon you've done over two hours, and uh, Ken has uh, killed the brakes not to inter- interrupt such an important thing. Okay. Talk to you soon. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.